And I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 4. We have just one verse we're going to focus on this morning, and we're going to make it our new hide the word verse for the end of April and into May. I think this one will be easy to memorize, and it will be good for us to memorize as well. This is the fourth message in our ongoing Gospel Roots sermon series where we are revisiting and recommitting to some of our foundational values that have shaped and defined us as a church family for 125 years. The first message in this series was the Gospel itself. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The person and work of Christ is what saves us, draws us together, provides our very purpose for existence as a church. That was in January. The second message in the series was about something we've done every week together for the last 125 years. We've sung together. We sing the Gospel. We don't just say it, we sing it. To God in thanksgiving and to each other to remind ourselves of Jesus Christ And Him crucified. We just did it, right? We just sang to each other, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Praise the One who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. The third message in the series back in March was about sharing that Gospel with lost people. Not just singing about it, but sharing it. Our God is conducting a massive search and rescue mission. And for 125 years, we have been a part of His search and rescue team, reaching lost people with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Today I want to focus on another thing that our church has done over and over again for 125 years. And it's something we've done not just on Sunday mornings together or at special outreaches, but many more times during the week. And that is, to pray together. I took my title for today from that old line about the family. The family that prays together. Well, if that proverb is generally true, then it equally applies to church families. The church family that prays together stays together. And this church family has been praying together for 125 years. Think about that. That's a lot of prayers. This church has been built on and sustained by prayer. Have you found Colossians chapter 4? Look at verse 2. These are Paul's instructions to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. And one of the key things that Paul says this church really ought to do. Ready? Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. It's short. Let me read it to you again. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's do that right now. Father, we come to You again as a church asking for Your grace and blessing on the preaching of Your Word. On the hearing of Your Word. On the the true listening to it. Not just at the ear level, but at the heart level. We're asking You, Lord, to work in our hearts. Give us faith for what we hear, to trust You and to do what You say. Thank You for how this church has been built on prayer. Help us, Lord, not to take that for granted, but to take it into the future. We pray it in the name of the the risen One. 
Christ Jesus. Amen. Look with me again at uh, chapter 4, verse 2. I'm so thankful to be the pastor of a praying church. Lance Free Church has earned a reputation as a church family that prays. We, we actually get phone calls. Would you pray for this or would you pray for that? This is not something for which I take any credit whatsoever. I try to encourage it and promote it and keep it going, but I inherited a church family that was already living out Colossians 4.2 long before I ever came along. I'm trying to use artifacts from our church history in each of these gospel roots. You saw the box up here and you're like, I wonder what's in the box, right? I've been trying to use artifacts for each of these messages. It's harder to find artifacts that point to prayer over the last 125 years. Not because this church hasn't prayed, but praying isn't something you normally take pictures of. Ooh, look, praying people. Let's put that on Facebook. No, prayer is generally a quiet thing. Even when it's in full swing as a church, it can go unnoticed. It doesn't call attention to itself. But prayer is a powerful thing, whether it's noticed or not. Yesterday, I made a list of this church's current prayer ministries. Not just past ones, but current ones. Can you name them? Well, there's the prayer meeting, of course. That one stands out. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. I asked Vera yesterday when they started that ministry. And she said she's been attending this church for about 76 years. And they had those prayer meetings before she started coming. So it may be perhaps for the whole 125 years. Week, weeknight prayer meetings. That's a lot of prayer meetings. For a while there, we had them on Tuesday nights. So that people could go to prayer meeting on Tuesday and then they could serve in Kids for Christ on Wednesday. But most of the time, most of the years, it's been a Wednesday night ministry. Sometimes on Wednesdays we have a short Bible study, but we always take time, copious time, to pray. What else? What other prayer ministries do we have? Well, a few years ago, Wally Kephart started the Harvest Prayer Time, which is a special prayer meeting once a month on a Saturday morning, the last Saturday of the month, where we pray for lost people. That's putting together our last message, Searching for the Lost, and this message, Praying for, searching for the lost. Paul does that too. Look at the next verse, verse 3. And pray for us too. If you're devoted to prayer, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. That's what we're praying for at our harvest prayer time. Which, by the way, the next one is this coming Saturday. Right? Need an application from this sermon? 7 a.m. next Saturday, come to the Harvest Prayer Time. It's in the prayer room. Yes, we have a prayer room. It's the first door on your left, down the hallway to your left as you go out of the auditorium. So we have a room in this building devoted to being devoted to prayer. There are people in our community who have dropped by the church in the middle of the week just to use the prayer room during the day. That's where we have the prayer meeting each Wednesday. And there are people in the prayer room every single Sunday morning after church. You see that in your bulletin, right? I often mention at the end of the service that so-and-so is going back to the prayer room. Could I have the couples who serve in the prayer room stand right now? I know you don't want to. Again, that's what I mean by prayer is a quiet thing that doesn't draw attention to itself. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for serving in the prayer room each Sunday. These folks confidentially pray with you about anything. Anybody about anything. And I know that a number of you over the years have gone back there for prayer on Sundays. And I hope for many more. Take advantage of that ministry. So those are a few of them. What other prayer ministries do we have? You know, we're actually just getting started. There's the prayer chain, right? Is that one of the ones that came to your mind? For many years, it was a phone chain. You called Ruth Murray, right? And Ruth would call two people who would all call two people. And before you know it, the word had spread. And then a number of years ago, Marilyn Christophitz volunteered to create an email prayer chain. This was like 16, 17 years ago. Long before she became our administrative assistant in our church office, Marilyn has been volunteering to collect your prayer requests and then get them out to the rest of the church so that we can devote ourselves to prayer. What else? The blue prayer cards in the pew racks. The prayer guide in your bulletin. Here's an artifact for you. Here's an old bulletin from Lance Free Church. It's, uh, it's dated April 19, 1998. And on the inside it says, Welcome, Matt and Heather Mitchell. That was 19 years ago, this last week, when we were here to candidate to be your pastor. It's interesting how similar our bulletins are today. This one was a little bit smaller than the 8-12 uh, eight, eight to 12 page thing that you get every week now. But, the, but the, the, new, the ones we do now are definitely based upon this one. Guess who was going to do church in, or going to do nursery during church the next week? Ruth Murray. All right, guess who's going to do children's church the next week? Darla Kyler. Guess what else is in this bulletin? Well, the church is now accepting bids for mowing the cemetery. That sounds like an April kind of thing, doesn't it? And there's an open house at Miracle Mountain Ranch coming up. Sound familiar? And in here, there's also a call for prayer requests. It says, there is a prayer request box on the table in the foyer. Anyone who has a prayer item that you would like to have the Wednesday evening prayer group pray for, please put your request in the box. And then on the back of that insert in the, in the middle of the bulletin, there's a list of prayer concerns, including an upcoming ladies' retreat. And number two, pray for the Mitchells as they spend time with us and for a safe trip home. That was just Heather and me long before Robin. Thank you for praying. Here's another artifact from 19 years ago. You know, I'm a pack rat. I, I have a hard time throwing things away. This is something Wally and the search committee sent me. It's from Donna Weatherly. It was a letter to me with her perspective on the church that I was praying about coming to pastor. Donna was on the search committee, and she writes, The past few years, there has been an increasing humility and unity manifested by greater dependence on the Lord in prayer. Seeing a dependence on prayer is probably the most encouraging thing to me. We all fail in this area, but there is no question that we see this as vital for any life and growth in our church. That was one of the things that drew us here to be your pastor. You remember this book? This book and its workbook had swept our, through our church around that same time. Experiencing God, 
taught our church family to devote ourselves to prayer and to look for God at work in our lives. I think that was the main thing we were getting out of it was God's at work. Join Him. Here's another place we pray. We pray right here, right? Every Sunday. How many times have we prayed today? There's that opening prayer and there's the closing prayer and there's the prayer for the offertory. There's the prayer before the sermon. There'll be a prayer after the sermon. We got that worship and prayer time. We actually have the, the gentleman with the mics. I love that. We call them the gentleman with the mics. Most Sundays who go around the room collecting your prayer requests. Today it was for Amelia and coworker Chris and John Graham and Freddie. You know, I've never been a part of another church that does that. I've been at churches that have a pastoral prayer where the pastor prays through a list of things that have been turned in beforehand. But taking these prayer requests and praises on a Sunday morning from the floor, it's pretty unique in my limited experience. I've been in Sunday evening services like that and at small church plants that are like that, but not a big full-size church like us on a Sunday morning. Every Sunday here is a prayer meeting. And then there are special times of prayer. Back to school Sunday when we pray for the students, teachers, and administration. Baby dedications. Praying for our graduates. The things you see in your bulletin this week. Commissionings. When we pray for missions teams or when someone moves away or heads into military service and we're sending them off with prayer. Here is a picture of some people praying at Lance Free Church. I know you can't see it. You're going to have to take my word for what you see up here. It's a very fuzzy picture. It hangs in my office, but I'm glad it exists. It's the prayer for me at my installation as your pastor, July 26th, 1998. In the picture, I'm on my knees right here on the stage, and Heather is holding my hand. And Alan Fish, Charlie Weaver, Wally Kephart, Superintendent Leroy Glover, guest speaker Steve Kemp, and my friend Blair Murray have their hands on me. And they're all praying for me as I take up the weighty responsibility of being your shepherd. And that includes me praying for you. These are a set of prayer cards from one of my recent pastoral prayer retreats where you tell me what you need prayed for and I take these on a long walk and lift up each request to the Lord. I know that I have a lot to learn about praying for my flock. I've come a long way. If you have asked me to pray for something and then I forgot to do it, I'm sorry. I know that I've bungled some of your prayer requests in the past. I've plain old forgotten them, or I've gotten the details wrong, or I've passed them on at the wrong time. I think I've gotten a lot better at it, but it's a learning process. Thanks for being patient with me. One thing we learned a number of years ago was about the 10-second prayers. Do you remember that? I sometimes call them the 10-SP, the 10-second prayers. In July of 2004, Bob Bakke came from the EFCA National Office and did a seminar with us in this room on becoming a praying church. You guys remember that? I know 2004 was a long time ago. Isaac wasn't born yet. Okay, I, I remember that. In fact, Bob prayed that Isaac would hold off through, through the seminar and then, uh, then he could come after the seminar was done. I remember that very plainly. One of the biggest things I took away from Bob's seminar was that prayer can be very short and very simple. Just take 10 seconds right now and pray about that problem. Pray about that need. I learned to say, 
Can we pray about that right now? Some of you have heard me say that, right? Can we, can we just pray about that right now? And then 10 seconds. In fact, I like to do it right there. Sometimes you're wondering why it takes so long to get out of here on a Sunday morning. Because some of you said, pray for this. And I say, well, can we pray for that right now? And right there we pray for it. And of course, you don't have to pray with me for 10 seconds. Anybody can do that. That's what we all do. Over the back of the pew, in the foyer, on the ark park, in the parking lot. I wonder how many prayers have been offered up in that parking lot as people go out to their cars, maybe after a meeting. Let's just pray about that right now. There's a lot of prayer that goes on in our ministry teams and committees. Your elders have been praying through the list of families that attend the church for the last two years. We take copious amounts of time at every elders meeting to pray for you by name. And I know that the missions ministry team prays, the deaconesses pray, the facilities team prays, and so on and so on and so on. Our link groups pray. I think we pray at our link groups some Sunday nights as much or more than we do at prayer meetings on Wednesdays. The youth boys pray on Wednesday nights when they aren't beating each other up. They're praying. They they take prayer requests, and then the youth boys do the praying. I'm sure that happens in Kids for Christ and ABC Kids as well. This is a prayer-saturated church. We devote ourselves to prayer. I don't tell you that to pat you on the back. Good job. You're great. I'm saying God is at work here. I'm sure I haven't listed all of them. I'll bet you've thought of some prayer ministries of this church that I haven't, I haven't said yet. Um, the pastoral prayer team, where I send you my needs and you pray for me. I am so humbled to know that some of you pray for me every single day. B. Johnson used to pray for me every single day, and I knew it. Blair Murray prayed for me every single day. I know that a number of you right here in this room pray for me every single day, and especially on Saturdays. You pray double for me on Saturdays when I'm writing these messages. Thank you. As you can tell, this devoting ourselves to prayer can look different at different times. It's going to look different at different times. 125 years ago, they didn't have email prayer chain coming onto their phone. Oh, there's a new prayer request. Let's pray for that right now. The Colossian church didn't have that either. They didn't have the phone chain. But they still devoted themselves to prayer. The word devoted in verse 2 is a very strong word in the Greek. It's a word that was used for people who joined the military and devoted themselves to the service. You know, they, they joined up for this. It was a word that was used of a boat that was always ready for someone to use. It was devoted for use, right? You could count on the boat being there for that use. In other words, it's a disciplined word. It's disciplined prayer. It's constant, it's steadfast, it's faithful, it's staunch. Devoted to prayer. It's praying and not giving up. Like Zeke Piper talked about a month ago. It's not just a casual attachment to prayer. I'll pray when I feel like it. But it is a devotion to prayer. Friends, that's not easy to do. Prayer can be hard work. It takes effort and commitment, especially in our distracting world. You get prayer requests on your phone, but your phone also takes a lot of your attention, doesn't it? makes it hard to pray sometimes. I don't know about you, but I have trouble with focus when I'm praying. 
The best book I've ever read on the subject of prayer outside of the Bible or explaining the Bible is Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. It was life-changing for me to read it. I commend it to you. Verse 2 is a call to commitment. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's what the early church did. That same word for devote is used of the apostles in Acts 1.14 and, and 6.4 and for the whole church in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It's what churches are supposed to do today. We are supposed to be devoted to prayer. What are we supposed to pray for? Well, anything and everything. Needs and praises. Missionaries, ministries, other churches, like we do in our bulletin each week. But especially for each other. Look down at verse 12 of Colossians 4. I think it's a model for us. Paul, in verse 12, sends the greetings of his friend Epaphras, who was probably from Colossae himself. He might have even planted their church. Look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Now catch this. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. How many of you here were high school wrestlers? I know we got a bunch of you. Yep. Was, uh, Keith, was that kind of a light thing you did? Didn't take a lot of energy? You could eat before it or not. You know, it's, no, that was the, that, you totally threw yourself into that if you were going to be a, a wrestler. It's hard work. Verse 13 calls it hard work. Epaphras was a prayer wrestler. Sometimes we talk about prayer warriors. But Epaphras was a prayer wrestler. And who did he pray for? He prayed for the rest of the church. If he were here today, he'd be praying for you. And you'd be praying for him. I'm sure he prayed for their health, their success, their safety, their decision-making, their relationships. But he also focused on their hearts. Look at verse 12 again. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. What does he pray? That you may stand firm in all the will of God. That you would be mature. That you would be fully assured. You see how he's praying for their hearts? Are we praying like that for each other? Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. God is calling us to become prayer wrestlers for the body of Christ. How are you and I doing at being devoted to prayer? I've listed what we're doing currently and some of what we've done in the past, but we never want to live in the past. We're thankful for the past. We build on the past, but we live in the present. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's what Paul's saying to us now. Being watchful and thankful. What do you need to do to be devoted to prayer? What do you need to do to kick it up a notch? Perhaps it's join in on some of those things I've listed before. The prayer meeting, or the prayer chain, or prayer in the services, or 
starting your own prayer meeting. At various times, we've had other prayer meetings meeting throughout the community in people's homes, maybe to pray for students in the school or something you have a burden for. What do you need to do to kick up your prayer, prayer wrestling, a notch? I know some of what I need to do. What's your plan? Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. What's that mean? What's that word mean, watchful? I used to think that it meant look for answers to your prayers. And that could be right. Be on the lookout, watchful as you pray to see how God answers. Especially if your prayers are for open doors to share the gospel, like verses 3 and 4 said. Because if those open doors come, you've got to snatch them up. But this word watchful is often used in two other ways in your New Testament. One is being watchful or vigilant against temptation. Like when Jesus said to the disciples, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So as we pray, we're not just diligent, but vigilant. I think that very well could be it. It could be like, stay awake when you're praying. If you need to, do this to keep yourself praying, right? And, and pay attention to your heart. What is my heart doing in the middle of this prayer? The other way that watchful is used is watching for the return of Christ. That, by the way, is another historical value of the church we'll hit later in the year. Believing in and living in light of the return of Jesus Christ. Perhaps being watchful is a call to pray as part of waiting for Jesus' return. A reminder that time is short, so we better stay busy praying. Don't get too comfortable and forget to pray. What does Paul say in Philippians 4? The Lord is near. And what does he say right after that? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Watch and pray. Pray and watch. Watch and pray. Number three, being thankful. This one is more obvious. We should always be thankful as we pray. Because God is always answering our prayers. Not always how we'd like Him to, or when we'd like Him to, but always perfectly and perfectly on time. God loves to answer our prayers. This October, we're going to give everybody a chance to share some favorite stories of God's work at and through Lance Free Church when we have our big celebration. And if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would bet that a lot of those stories will be stories of answered prayer. God has been so faithful to us. He loves to answer our prayers. He always has. And he always will. One last artifact for you this morning. This is a post office receipt dated February 14th, 1998. Yes, I keep my post office receipts for the last 19 years. No, I don't. No, I don't. Just special ones. I've told the story before, but it's a good one. This was the receipt for the package of materials I sent to Wallace Kephart, Morrisdale, PA, 16858. And I sent it express mail. Do you know the difference between priority and express mail? 
it's about $15. (laughs) That's the difference. Or 10 bucks. I paid $15 to send this one. It's right here. The funny part of this story is that Wally had specifically told me he was going away in February. And to not worry about sending my resume, my doctrinal statement, my cassette tape with a sample sermon on it very fast. Don't worry about sending it fast because it might not get there before he left. He told all the guys that the search committee was talking about that same thing. So here I was at the post office to mail this packet. And my wife Heather was in Iowa visiting a friend. And Heather felt the Lord prompting her to pray that I would buy the right amount of postage. Now, my wife has never prayed for postage before and never prayed about postage since. But that day she did. And when I was at the post office counter in Zion, Illinois, the lady behind the desk asked, did you want to send it priority or express? And as a poor seminary student, I should have said priority. But I said express. And if I remember the story right, the package got to Wally on a Sunday afternoon. Anybody else here get mail delivered on Sunday afternoon? He gets a phone call from the postmistress in Bigler, I think. I'm not exactly sure on the details of that. And they say, there's this package for you. Wally is leaving on vacation that day. Well, he comes back up to the church, makes a copy of it all, gives it to the search committee. And for two weeks, the search committee only had my packet of information to look at. So if you're looking for somebody to blame, blame Heather's prayer life. Of course, the Lord could have used anything and redirected anything for His own purposes. But He loves to answer prayer. And you all prayed for me at that time, and we prayed for you, and here we are today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are thankful. And we will stay thankful. And we will stay watchful. And we will devote ourselves to prayer. Let's do it again. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the gift of prayer. Prayer is not just us sitting in a room, closing our eyes, and talking to each other sideways. Prayer is talking to God. And God listening and answering. What a privilege. Thank You for giving us this gift and this command to devote ourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. I pray for my brothers and sisters and for me here that we would do that. We wouldn't rest on the laurels of 125 years of prayerfulness. We would commit ourselves again. We'd join up. We'd sign up to be prayer wrestlers. And especially to pray for each other. Because we need it. I need it. I act like it sometimes like I don't. Oh no, I'm good. And sometimes I act like I'm an orphan. I'm alone in the world without a father to talk to. A heavenly father. But when I'm honest with myself and when I see myself in reality, I see how needy I am. I need prayer. I need my brothers and sisters here to pray for me. And they need 
me to pray for them and each other to pray for each other. Help us, Lord, to devote ourselves to prayer. I pray for anybody here who has not yet trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They can't know that their prayers will be answered. It's through Christ that our prayers are answered. I pray for anybody here who doesn't know Christ in this way, that they would come in and trust Him as their own Master, their own Rescuer, their Redeemer. Trusting in what He did for them on the cross and at the empty tomb. To give them access to the Father. Would you do that, Lord? And if there's somebody we're supposed to talk to today about this, give us boldness to walk through that open door. Make us, Lord, keep us, Lord, to be a praying church. We may do it differently in the future. We may not have the same formats and times and approaches. But however we do it, Lord, help us to saddle up and throw ourselves into it in a dependable, committed way. Because we need it. Because it brings you glory. And because you love to answer these prayers for which we are so thankful. Help us to do it until Jesus returns. In his name we pray. Amen.